I used to be the shittiest person at hiring people. Don't do your one-on-ones in office because it makes them less open to sharing with you what they truly feel. Instead, they're just gonna Welcome to another episode of the Relentless CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kiefer. We are jumping into team building secrets today. I'm saying secrets because it's a marketing term that'll create buzz and get you to watch this episode, which if you're watching it, it worked. So glad to have you guys here. We're talking all things team and staffing today. Um, I think an all the entire entrepreneur landscape, one of the biggest challenges that most CEOs or business owners have is people problems. And a lot of the people problems can be prevented ahead of time and will help it make easier to train them, manage them, and all those things moving forward. So I want to go over some things that's going to help you with the the pre-hiring part and the hiring part. And then we're also going to go over some things once you have that person on your roster, on your team, how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them engaging? How do you keep them being a long-term part of your team where they're growing with the business? Because that's what we all want, right? So we're going to jump over nine different strategies. I lied, 10 different strategies uh, today on how to do this. And one thing I want to really hit home at the start of this, um, you can hire the perfect person skill-wise, someone that you feel like is the right values and everything. But one thing that you're going to always have have a constant battle with is when personal problems start to move into the business. And this doesn't just happen for CEOs and entrepreneurs. This happens for your team members as well, because their personal life starts to become a mess. Then all of a sudden their focus at work starts to suffer. And then all of a sudden, like they're getting distracted more at work, or maybe their mood just isn't there where they don't feel like being productive. They don't feel like they have energy. So as we're going through these different tactics that you guys can use. I want you guys to keep in mind that we do have to work on helping them to build up as a person and not just as an employee. Because if we just see them as an employee, we're never going to help them really get all the tools and skills that they need on a personal level to help ensure that in the future, any personal problems that they're experiencing in their life doesn't get pushed over into the the work area. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I've had some great employees that we hired and after time, they just could not control the things going on in their personal life. And I'm sure there's things we could have done better as well. But as a result, it started to affect their work. They started to be inconsistent with when they're working, started to be inconsistent with their productivity. Mistakes started to happen because they weren't paying attention to detail because they were distracted about whatever was going on in their personal life. And it's going to be something that's a consistent challenge that you face with every single person. So let's start with number one, okay, which is you need to mentor your team on both a professional and a personal level. Before this podcast, uh, Kelly was running a team meeting uh, and I had my door open. I was listening to part of it and she started reviewing the core values that we have set up for our team, but then she spent time actually helping them develop their own set of core values and what they're going to live by and what's going to help them feel happy and fulfilled. That is, that's an example of mentoring your team on their personal life so that they can feel happier, more fulfilled, and have less issues in their personal life, which in the long run is going to help you as an employer to keep them happy and, and keep them as someone that's being an effective and a, a good result-driven employee. But the problem is a lot of us see them as employees, so we don't offer mentoring or we don't have consistent mentoring or we don't do it the right way. So I want to just share with you guys some of the ways that we provide mentoring for some of our team members at different um, 
in the different companies. And some of this is on the, the agency or mastermind side. Some of this is on the, the martial arts side. Uh, but I'm going to go through all of it so that way you can grab and take sort of what you want from this, okay? So... Number one is when you're setting up your meeting schedule, Kelly is so good at this. She, she crushed it for our agency. She made sure that all the meetings aren't the same. Okay, so I, I see a lot of people sort of fall into the habit where you have maybe two meetings a week with your team and the structure and the agenda for both meetings is exactly the same. And then it becomes redundant really fast for your team. So a good example of this is uh, at our martial arts school, we have a Monday and a Thursday meeting uh, as two of our meetings with our, with our staff leadership team. Okay, on Mondays, we're focusing more on like tasks and KPIs and making sure that we're all on the same page going into the week um, and tying up any last minute details. Okay, then on Thursday, we focus more just on mentoring in that in that meeting. So right now, Travis is running those meetings and he'll go in, they're reading through the five levels of leadership by John Maxwell. They do one chapter a week. They come in, they discuss the, the chapter and then they share, they're vulnerable and they're working on their own personal growth in that meeting. Okay, so that's just one example. Another example is uh, we have a rule at Relentless that if there's any course that one of our team members finds that they think is gonna help them perform better in their role, all they need to do is send us the link and we'll buy it for them. Same thing with equipment, right? Uh, Leah, who's been kicking ass with our, our videography, uh, she just sent us a list of some things that's gonna make her job easier on video production. So whatever we can do or whatever we can provide to our team that's gonna make it easier for them to perform their job, less stressful, like that should be your goal as a manager or a CEO is looking for opportunities to make their life easier, okay? Um, continuing on with mentoring, um, making sure that you have weekly training scheduled is a necessity. Don't just wing it. Uh, I, I talked to one school owner. He's like, well, I do training once a month. Your, your team's going to always have a, a lack of confidence because of that. Okay, They're going to be making mistakes. Um, there's going to be different challenges coming up. You need to make sure that it's scheduled. Okay, Now, Adam, do you have like a 52-week layout of training? No, because we don't do it that way. And the reason why is the, the culture and the KPIs dictate what needs to be trained. All right, so if I look at my closing percentage and I see my closing percentage is at 70%, yeah, we're gonna be training sales when we go in because that number needs to be at 85%. Okay, if I'm looking at my numbers and I see uh, our attrition is like 6% instead of 4%, guess what? We're gonna go work on training member outreach. We're gonna work on tr uh, role-playing our courtesy calls. We're gonna work on making sure that there's no uh, faults in the system for missing an action uh, messaging. And we're going to spot check and retrain all of those things until that number gets corrected. So the training part is a direct result of what we're seeing happen in the business, okay, from a KPI standpoint and a culture standpoint. So on the culture standpoint, if I'm going in there and I'm hearing gossiping, like we, we had a little issue at our martial arts school where there's a couple weeks where there was just like a gossip chain happened. That's a culture problem, right? So we had to go in, we focused on culture a lot, we focused on sharing, taking ownership and responsibility, and then all of a sudden that started getting much better afterwards. So the training really has to be revolving around 
what's going on in the business, okay? And that's super important. Now with our instructors, they have a, a course that we go through consistently, but we will audible their training program if we see that there's a, a consistent issue happening in classes. Okay, so if I don't see communication with the parents and progress updates given to the parents outside of class, then guess what? We're gonna role play parent progress talks. Okay, so just just wanna give you guys sort of an idea of where we're coming from when we're, we're thinking about doing those different trainings, but all of this rolls back into mentoring your team. Okay, on top of this, what I consider part of the mentoring process is conducting one-on-ones with your team. Now, I'm fortunate, I have a Kelly Murray, I have a, a great manager at our, at our first facility, they conduct all the one-on-ones, then I do one-on-ones with them, okay? For you guys, okay, and how I started off running a martial arts school, originally, I was the one doing all the one-on-one meetings. And if you're not familiar with what a one-on-one meeting is, okay, you're gonna do it off-site, out of office, okay? Don't do your one-on-ones in office because it, it puts you in a higher power dynamic and it makes them less open to sharing with you what they truly feel or real feedback. Instead, they're just gonna tell you what they wanna hear. So what I recommend is going to a coffee shop, go to a restaurant, do your one-on-one there. It's a more neutral territory where they feel more comfortable about opening up to you about certain things because they're not seeing as much as boss-employee relationship and they're seeing it as like, hey, we're having a cup of coffee together and we're just, we're talking, okay? And then in those one-on-ones, I recommend starting doing them once a month, okay? If you can get them up to every two weeks, Kelly crushes it with how often she does it, Um, but get them at least once a month to start with. Okay, and what I recommend is go into those meetings. I always preframe every one-on-one by saying, hey, we're gonna talk about a lot of different areas of the business. We're gonna talk about my management. We're gonna talk about the overall results of the business. We're also gonna talk about other team members. And what I wanna let you know is that, first of all, any feedback you give me will not be taken personal. Okay, we do this for two reasons. Number one, I want them to feel like they can tell me anything without any repercussions happening, all right? Because it's all feedback that's gonna help make the business better anyway. Number two, it's me saying it as a reminder to myself that even if they hit a nerve with something, that I'm not gonna take it personal, okay? This is just a a business information relaying conversation. We're removing all feelings from this, okay? It's just information. Okay, so then after we say, hey, I'm not gonna take anything personal, then number two is, Everything that you tell me in this meeting is going to stay confidential, especially when it's about other team members. So if you tell me that, hey, uh, Janet's not pulling her weight, I'm not going up to Janet and being like, you should have heard what Chrissy just said about you. You're not pulling your weight. No, okay? The only people that find out about this information is the leadership team, and then we address the team as a group. Or if I have to address Janet for her whatever she's doing, I'm going to say, hey, some of the feedback we got from the team, so it's not a single person, some of the feedback we got from the team, and then we can address it that way, okay? Or maybe I'm taking that feedback, I want to verify it's true first, so maybe I'm going to watch Janet perform, and then maybe I see a a visual example of exactly what that person told me at the one-on-one of why they felt Janet wasn't pulling her weight, so now I can see it, and then I can address it from there, okay? But a lot of the questions in this are gonna be feedback on you and your management style as well, right? And these are gonna be the ones that you're gonna get some feedback that's hard to hear sometimes, okay? It's gonna hurt you, it's gonna feel like someone stabs you in the heart a little bit, but that most likely is the feedback that you need to hear. Typically, when, when I get feedback that hurts a lot hearing it, it's usually the most important feedback I need to hear because if it hurts that much, there's some truth to it. So I got to change something. Um, so we're getting feedback at those meetings. And then the last half of the, that meeting, so the last 15 minutes, should just be me giving them some training or guidance on something that's going to help make their job easier. All right. Simple as that. Okay. Moving on from mentoring. 
Um, and if you don't feel like you're a great mentor for your person, uh, for your manager or for your team, find someone, hire someone to mentor them. Okay. I know, uh, there's a ton of school owners that hire us to mentor them as part of our mastermind, but then they also will hire Kelly to, to mentor the manager. So that way they they have an outside voice of, uh, Kelly pretty much reinforcing everything that the CEO or the owner is saying, uh, to that manager as well. Um, next tip for you guys for making sure that you guys have a successful team is creating systems for communication. Probably the the biggest problem I see across our entire industry when it comes to staffing is lack or inconsistent communication between CEO and the team or owner and the manager. And it's funny because I'll talk to the manager and I'll hear their perspective and they're just frustrated. And they talk to the CEO, they're frustrated. And then I find out that they're just, no one's on the same page. There's no streamlined process or systems for communication. Like the manager's pissed because their, their CEO is texting them after hours on the weekends when they don't want to even have to think about work. So a couple of things, guys. Number one, make it a rule for yourself that unless it's an emergency, you never text or call your team members when they're not at work. They don't want to think about work on the weekends. Let them have another life, okay? Just like you should get to have another life, depending where you are in your business, okay? They need a life outside of martial arts. They need a life outside of fitness. Do not be bombarding them with text messages. Here's what you do instead. There's a, a app called Slack that you guys can download. The, millions of people use it. It's, I think, the greatest thing for team communication, and then what we do is at the end of each day, we have uh, each one of our team members is an end of day debrief or an end of shift debrief where we have five or six questions that they copy paste every day and they go through and answer it. And it's pretty much just letting us know, hey, what what did you get done today? Were there any red flags or any, any things that need to be addressed? Were, uh, was there anything you need your manager's help with that you didn't get help with? And then... Uh, like for instructors, we ask them to rate like the energy of classes. We'll ask them one thing that they learned about a parent, one thing they learned about a student. Uh, so that way we know they're actually talking to parents and students and, and connecting with them. But we're, we're asking all questions that involve their role and also provide some level of accountability to make sure they're actually doing what they're supposed to. So like, again, for our instructor debrief, we ask them, hey, did you complete your member outreach for today? Because they're supposed to be doing at least one custom video or one handwritten postcard every single day that they work. So it's, it's an accountability metric as well. And then the nice thing about it is it's also gonna stop them from texting you all the time with every single question that they have because now they're getting in the habit of just putting their question in Slack. And then what I do for all my companies is I just go in, I check the end of day or end of shift debriefs that are assigned to me, I'll answer any questions in those debriefs right in Slack, and then we're good. And now I'm not getting text messages all throughout the day. I don't have text message them. The other thing I like about Slack is if I'm up late working on something and I have a great idea that I don't want to lose, instead of texting it to my team, I'm just going to shoot them a message in Slack because they can have their notifications off on their phone. They have that option, so it's not interrupting them. So then I'll just message them on Slack and be like, hey, I have this idea. Remind me to talk about you or to talk about this to you in the morning. Okay. And now it's not interfering with the personal time when they log in, when they the clock in, they're going to open Slack. They see that message and they're off to the races. And I didn't have to interfere with their personal time. Um, so end of shift debriefs, super important. And then we also use Slack for all other internal messaging. Okay. So everything is streamlined in that one spot. You can have it on your phone. Uh, you can 
you put it on your computer. It doesn't matter, but streamline your communication that way. Um, so that way your team's not getting stressed out about work when they're not there. And also you have a record of every piece of communication that's happened with your staff in one space. We used to use Facebook back in the day where we had a Facebook group, terrible idea. Because all of your staff will log into Facebook, forget why they logged in, and then just be like down the, the rabbit hole of content instead of focusing. So use this. It's not on a social platform, which makes it even better. Okay. Number three, rule number three for team building secrets is teaching once does not equal training. Again, teaching something to someone once is not the equivalent of training them. I can't tell you how many times I talk to school owners or, or studio owners and they say, I don't know why they keep messing up. And uh, I'm like, they, they know how it should be done. I go, okay, walk me through the training. And they're like, well, I sat down with them. I went over how to do it, showed them exactly how I do it. And then told them to go, to go practice. They didn't practice. And now they're, they're sucking at what they're doing. I was like, you didn't train them. Okay, if, if training worked like this, you could teach a sidekick once and never have to teach it again and your entire class has perfect sidekicks forever. But that's not life, that's not reality. So instead, we have to have some sort of process in place that's actually training them properly. So we have what we call a three-phase approach to training. Okay, and it's gonna differ on the time length based on what you're training them on, okay? But phase one of this is making sure that you are teaching and they are learning. Okay, they're not actually doing anything themselves. Now, if this is like a role replacement, if you're trying to replace yourself as the manager of your school or the head coach of your instructor, then I would do this as a 90-day project where each phase is 30 days. So for 30 days, you're just teaching them. They're not allowed to lead anything. They're not allowed to actually do it by themselves. Okay, They're just shadowing you for 30 days. Right? And then phase two is doing it as a team. So they're not doing it on their own with you, you supervising them yet, but phase two is you do everything together. So you're running meetings together or you're running trainings together. Or maybe you're teaching classes together where they do a section, you do a section, they do a section, you do a section. Okay, but whatever it is you're, that they were trained on for the first period of time, the phase one and phase two, now we're doing it together. Okay, because when you're doing it together, what happens is they're not gonna feel super confident yet. So they're gonna do it you're going to build them up. You're going to give them good good praise afterwards. And then they get to see you do it immediately after. And then they do it. They'll correct some things just based on watching you and hearing you. And then they see you do it and they pick up something different from it now. Okay. And when you do this for 30 days, okay, you're going to have a much better chance of making sure that they are doing things with the expectations that you want them to. Okay. And then phase three of this, okay, is where they do, they lead and you supervise. This is the phase that every school owner misses. They think as soon as that they, I, I've seen them do it with me, that now I can step away and I don't need to supervise ever again. And then what happens is results for the first couple of weeks after you step away, still good, right? Or maybe they're trending up. But then all of a sudden, you're not supervising, you're not giving them feedback anymore, you're not actually coaching them, and then all of a sudden the results and the progress starts to dip down. And then all of a sudden we start blaming that employee for not pulling their weight instead of, actually thinking, hey, did I actually supervise them long enough? Did I spot check them on this? Did I give them feedback? So three-phase approach for whatever you're training on, right? And again, length of time will differ. If it's something like um, inputting memberships into your, your uh, software for your admin position, okay, I would probably still even do where I'm doing two to three weeks, okay, or four weeks of doing it, and then they're watching me, okay, and then I'm going to spend 
another two to three weeks where I'm doing it with them and coaching them through it. So I'm pretty much looking over their shoulder while they're doing it. And then I might do another two to three weeks where I'm watch I'm watching them do it, do it or just double checking that they're doing it right after they do it each time. Okay. And then from there, now I'm going to give them the freedom to, to do it fully on their own. But that three phase, phase approach will really help you guys to make sure that you are actually training and not just showing them once and having false hopes after that. All right, next. This is something I was terrible at for the longest time. Empathy. Okay, as a leader, we have to develop the empathy muscle. Okay, and for me, this was extremely hard because I've had different mentors in my life and one of one of the bosses I worked for, they were just like zero empathy for anyone. Like it doesn't matter what your need to be off was. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. They, they only care about you working for them. And being in that culture for so long, I started to develop that same muscle with the team that I was coaching, where it's like, if you fucked up, I'm like, hey, why the hell did you make that mistake? And I started like getting upset at them and getting mad at them. And and I wasn't doing what I needed to, giving them feedback. I wasn't doing what I needed to in the training. And, and thank God I learned how to fix a majority of this, not all of it yet, but I learned how to fix a majority of that. And I, I really had to focus a lot on developing empathy. And it actually took an employee calling me out on it when we were doing a one-on-one. They're like, you know what? You have zero empathy. You give no shits about what a, what is going on in anybody else's life except yours and your business. And then at the moment, I was like, well, that's not true. Fuck you. And then every single day I'd be in my car driving and I was like, was there truth to that? Was that an accurate statement? And then as I started to like think through just different interactions I had in my life, I was like, ah, oh. I was like, it is true. I don't have empathy. Like I'm not putting myself in the other person's shoes and thinking about what they're going through in their life. Now, there's a difference between showing someone empathy and buying into their victim mentality. So be careful getting these two things crossed up. Empathy is they're struggling with something. They might be going through something, or maybe I thought I trained them properly and I didn't, and they're making mistakes as a result. Empathy is me putting myself in their shoes and thinking, all right, if I knew nothing about this and received the amount of training that this person did, would I, would I be making those same mistakes? Would I be able to perform it better? If I took a new person and gave them that much, that much training, would they be able be able to go through this without making the same mistakes or is this a me thing and I need to train them better? Okay, same thing when someone comes up to you with like a, a, a personal problem they're dealing with and they need time off or something. Like I used to get like offended when people would ask for time off like when I was a new entrepreneur because like, why, why do you need that much time off? Like I don't take time off. Well, they don't own the business. You do. You have a different level of commitment that you're supposed to have to your business. Okay, but with your team, you need to get used to putting them or putting yourself in their shoes, and that only comes through conversation. That only comes like connecting with them more and building more rapport with them and actually like caring about what's going on in their lives. Now, the other part of this that can get confused with it very easily is victim men- mentality. Okay. If you have a team member that has victim mentality, it's only a matter of time before that person is gone. Okay. We had a team member that we hired that we didn't sort of catch on to the victim mentality at the beginning, but it started to manifest itself like the longer they were with us, like if they made mistakes with something, it was never their fault, ever. They would always point it on someone else, okay? That is a different scenario, okay? That is someone that just doesn't have ownership or doesn't have the ability to take responsibility, so they want to point fingers everywhere else instead of themselves, right? You don't need to have empathy for that bullshit. 
that's a conversation where you're just like, hey, I see this happening. I don't want this to happen again. Okay, I want to make sure that we fix this moving forward. How can I better support you to make sure that we fix this? Okay, where do you think the disconnect is? Get feedback, actually actively listen to them, come up with a plan to fix it. And then if it doesn't fix it, then feel good moving on. Okay, we literally had that same, with the same person I'm talking about, it, this is exactly how it played out. Met with them, said, hey, we're seeing this trend. I don't like it. The person even said in the meeting, they're like, I, they're like, I agree, I feel like I've been letting you down. I go, okay, this needs to be fixed moving forward because if it doesn't get fixed, we gotta figure out a different solution. It's pr probably not gonna involve you. Then it didn't get fixed. So we found a different solution that didn't involve them. Okay, but don't get those two things confused, right? Show empathy when they're going through hard times, when they're struggling with something, and then also be aware to make sure that it's not just a victim mentality that's sort of manifesting itself, okay? Um, one more thing I want to touch on this is... Um, yeah, okay. I want to make sure this wasn't a different point I had. One of the things I want to touch on this as well is like, be willing to help them out when they need it, even if it's something that is like a difficult ask. Um, I've had multiple team members that have come to me that were going through something and were like, hey, can I get my paycheck early? Can I get an advance on my paycheck? Can you lend me X number of dollars and then just deduct out of my paycheck for the, because they had some personal thing that they were dealing with. We had a team member whose father died and uh, he was responsible for paying for the funeral and asked if we could help him out. Yes, absolutely. Like be that boss that's always there for them personally, like when they need it, as, as long as it's within reason, okay? And you will see like the loyalty manifest itself in a, in a completely different way when they know that they can be reliable and, and you show them that you have empathy in those situations for what they're going through. Um, I always think back to like when I had no money, when my wife and I were like struggling to pay bills, okay? And I think back to that version of Adam and I was like, all right, if that version of Adam was in the same predicament, like how would he want his boss to respond? How would he want the CEO to respond to that situation? Okay, so think about you and your most, most desperate version of yourself when you really need someone to help you. Okay, and then think about how you'd want your boss to respond in that situation. And nine times out of 10, that's the way that you should be responding to your employees when they're going through those situations. Make sense? All right, moving on. Create intentional culture in your business or it will unintentionally create itself. So one more time, create intentional culture within your business, otherwise it will unintentionally create itself. So what does this mean? You, you need to have core values, first of all, okay? And not only do you need to have core values, you have to have core values that the team embraces and that the team knows and that they understand. I have core values in all of my businesses, but I made a mistake. I was not talking about them enough, okay? I was not, uh, being like the good finder pointing out like when someone's showing we over me mentality, okay? Or when I see someone uh, like going above and beyond and doing stuff outside of their scope, I wasn't pointing it out and be like, hey, that's the we over me mentality that we're looking for, right? Or uh, like we have results over promises for the agency, okay? I wasn't doing a great job pointing that out of saying like, hey man, like we promised them X number of dollars per lead, you're half that. Keep kicking ass like that, way to go. So as a result, my team didn't have core values on top of mine. So I went into the uh, martial arts school and, and ran a meeting a couple weeks ago and I said, hey, $100 cash to the first person that can tell me all five of our core values, word for word. And they got, they're like, uh, we over me, that's the shortest one, so it's pretty easy. And they're like, 
something about friendly and cleanest place in town. And the, like, they got like two and a half of them. That was the most anyone could get. And was I mad? Absolutely. At myself. Because we don't talk about, we weren't talking about our core values enough to make it impactful. So core values are great once you have them, but you need to talk about them consistently. So now all of our team meetings, we start just going through our core values. And then a couple things that we added to this is number one, okay, at our martial arts school, we do a monthly like vote at the end of each month where the entire team votes on which team member they thought was upholding the core values the best the last 30 days. And then we give that person $100 cash or $100 gift card, however you want to do it. We give them a $100 gift card for being the one that completely embodied all of the core values of the business. When you start doing things like that, all of a sudden everyone starts paying attention more. Okay, And you'll see a culture shift as a result. And maybe, maybe you're not in the position to do a $100 gift card, but maybe you do a $50 gift card. Or maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to take, uh, maybe not take them out to dinner, or maybe you're going to pay for them and their spouse to go out to dinner somewhere. Whatever you guys want to do, but create a, some, uh, an intentional way to reward when you see people going over culture. The other thing that's really important is when you're doing your performance reviews okay, with your team, so you should be doing them quarterly, you need to be sitting down and not just reviewing the results, all right, how many enrollments, how many, was our closing percentage, like, n that stuff you do want to go over, but also go over how they feel like they're fitting in the culture and how you feel like they're fitting in, in the culture and then compare notes, okay, and coach them up on maybe the areas you don't feel like they're as strong as w when it comes to your core values. Like, we literally have a rating system, so we have our five core values, and we're doing our, our quarterly reviews. We go in and we rate them one to five in each one of those core values and how they actually uphold those core values in the business. Okay, and then if they're like a four or higher, like they're pretty much all bought in. They're uh, like a three to a four. Like we we got some training to do with them to, to get them more more embracing of the culture. And if they're below a two, man, that's tough. Okay, so rate them on it. Talk about it often. Include it in your systems, and it will be more prevalent and more intentional with the culture that you're creating. All right, next. Rules and policies in writing, so there is no misunderstanding. It's funny when I was uh, putting together our employee manual uh, for the martial arts schools, I probably read a few hundred different companies' employee manuals, and there was one that stuck stuck out being the best employee manual by far compared to every single one I looked at, and it was Tesla's. The reason theirs was so damn good is because it was written at a fifth grade level, whereas most employee manuals you look at, it's like legal jargon. Like, it is the most boring thing to read. I can guarantee none of your employees read it. They'll flip through the pages, sign whatever they need to sign, and they're done. So, number one, we wanted to create an employee manual that was visually appealing, that made it, made it actually people wanted to open it. So, we, we took our employee manual, and we gave it to a graphic designer, and we're like, hey, make this look awesome. Like, make this look like the most fun employee manual you've ever seen in your life. And that's what they did. And then we have a, a page in our employee manual called the list of stupid stuff. It's literally the title of it. And it says, this is the list of stupid stuff. If you do anything on this list, you will most likely be let go from the company. And if there's something that's not on this list that you have to think, would this go on the list of stupid stuff? It's probably something you shouldn't do because it probably should be on the list. And now it's in black and white that, hey, if you do this, this, and this, these are like non-negotiables, you're gone, okay? And I had this happen 
had a, a head coach one time that no called and no showed. Okay, and he had already been written up for being late up to that point, but he no called no showed, which is like uh, it's like top on our list of like stupid stupid stuff, right? So when I met with him, I said, "Hey, I was like, we gotta let you go, man." And he's like, "Well, why?" And I literally just opened up the play manual, put it in front of him, circled, no call, no show. I go, it's literally on the list of stupid stuff. Like, we couldn't be more transparent with this. And I go, above the list, it says, if you do anything on this list, you will be let go of the company. And I go, did you read this? He goes, yes. I go, did we read this as a team? He goes, yes. I go, do you understand why I'm letting you go? And he goes, I get it. That's all that was needed. But if we didn't have that in writing... Then you're then you're gonna get excuses like, well, I didn't I didn't know we had to call, I didn't know we had to text first, and then you got to think back and you're like, did I ever go over that with him, or you're like, or you're like, oh, that should just be common sense. No, there's no common sense when you're running a business. There's none. You cannot expect anyone to have common sense. So you need to have everything in writing, okay? Because now they have a resource that they can go to, and if it says that they can get fired for doing that, and they did it. There's no argument to happen then. It just, it is what it is. It's black and white or colorful on this beautifully designed employee manual. But you need to have all of your policies and procedures written out. And there's going to be times that something happens that you realize should have been a policy policy or procedure in your employee manual. And then when it happens, you take it as a learning uh, a learning experience. And then you go back and you update the employee manual afterwards. You redistribute it to all your team. Let them know about the update. And then rinse and repeat moving forward. All right, hopefully you guys get some good stuff out of this. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping this is going to help you guys with your, your team management, building your team, and just making sure that they're they're in it for the long haul. Um, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about men- mentoring, but I'm going to dive into it with a little bit more detail. Uh, number eight is consistent planned training, okay? Um, not training when you feel like it, not tra- training when we think of it, consistent. So let me go over how we do this at our martial arts schools. Okay, so number one, Mondays, we have our team staff meeting, which is sort of like our like week review. So we're going to go over what happened last week. We're going to go over wins and challenges from it. And then we're also, excuse me, going to go over what's happening this week to make sure everyone's on the same page. And then we'll go over any future events that need to be covered as well. Excuse me. And this meeting is pretty strict business, right? We're not really focusing on mentoring too much in this meeting it's more like the get shit done meeting like let's make sure that we're all moving together in the same direction let's make sure we're all on the same page we all know what our responsibilities are and so on thursday this is the mentoring meeting so we have our our leadership team comes in every thursday and we go through a a book until it's finished and we pick up a new book and it's all stuff that's going to help them both on a personal level but also with their job okay so uh five uh Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell is a great one. Self-Aware Leader by John Maxwell is actually my favorite one. Travis loves five five uh, levels of leadership. Um, another one that our team, Ideal Team Players, another great book to do with your team. God, what was the one that they absolutely loved? I'll think of it. I'll, I'll get it by the end of the podcast. We'll see. If not, we'll put it in the notes of the podcast. Um, but we pretty much pick, pick different books that are going to help them with different things, whether it's emotional intelligence, whether it's leadership, whether it's supporting their team better. Um, we're going to focus on all of these things. Maybe it's just focusing on like building up their mindset and helping them to build more resilience within their mindset. Maybe it's going to help them with problem solving. But we do a chapter a week. Everyone has to come with written notes to the meeting. Okay, And then we just go and we share are takeaways. Now, what you don't want to happen is you don't want them just to write a book summary. Okay, you don't want them to write a summary summary of the chapter. It's not school. What we want to know is what did they take away that they feel like they can apply to their personal life 
from this chapter? And there's no right or wrong answers. We just want to hear what they think they can get out of that. And then we go around and we share that. And then whoever's facilitating the meeting is going to ask questions to help them just pull more out of them on their takeaways and how they think that would affect. And then Travis is so good at facilitating this. Okay, if say Coach Gabe gives an answer, he'll be like, all right, I get it. And he goes, Rudy, do you agree with that for him? And then he'll start actually asking the other people in the group to get perspectives from other people besides Gabe. And for Gabe, this is important. Here's why. Because now he's hearing other people's perspectives on how we can make them better, right? And we're going through around, and he's hearing it from all these different people. And now he's got a really good perspective of how he can better implement that or maybe use that to become even better in his role. So that's awesome. I almost think that we should record one of those staff meetings and put it up as a podcast episode. I think that would be fun. Ooh, maybe we'll do that next week. I might I might send Leah to, to go do that. Um, but yeah, let, let's plan on filming one of those and we'll upload it for you guys so you can see it happening in real time because I think that would be very eye-opening for everyone. Um, but yeah, you need to have like that consistent training. And then also just getting your team to ask the right, or, or to, you have to ask the right questions to get them to respond the right way. Okay. And it, it's funny, like, uh, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, Travis and, and Kelly refer to me as deep questions sometimes. Same with my wife. Cause a lot of times we're like, all right, guys, deep question. I'll just ask a question just because I'm trying to, number one, find out motivation. Uh, number two, I just r- really want to generally learn more about how everyone thinks and processes and all of those things. Um, but here, here's a couple of really good questions that you guys can use in your team meetings, uh, especially those mentoring meetings to help facilitate like good, constructive, positive conversations, okay? So first thing is we call wins and wounds, okay? And we do this in the mentoring meeting. And I think I got this from Kelly. I'm pretty sure I got it from Kelly. Um, basically, everyone in the team goes around and they, t- they talk about themselves. What's one thing that you're proud of from the last seven days that you did? Okay, so everyone shares that. And then for wounds, you have to share one mistake you made or one thing that you could have done better in the last seven days. So here's why I love this, okay? Number one, it's teaching them to celebrate themselves for the good things that they're doing and the progress that they're making. And they're getting to actually self-actualize that progress. Number two, it's teaching them ownership and responsibility. Okay, we had a team member that I knew needed to take ownership. And... It, it wasn't going to work if I just went up to this person and was like, hey, you're fucking this up. You need to own this to the team so that they rebuild their trust in you. That wasn't going to work just with the way this person receives information and communication, not going to work. So we did wins and wounds for the first time. On the wound, this person took complete ownership of what they've been messing up. And the, the cool thing was they did it in front of the entire team. So they own their shit in front of the entire team and the entire team just needed to hear that to regain trust in this person because they felt like this person wasn't pulling their weight like they should. And guess what the reason why? They had a personal shit show going on in their life that started to interfere with how they're performing at work. We talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, right? But that taking ownership in front of the team elevated that person in front of the rest of the team. Okay, and us... When we're facilitating these meetings, you need to give your wins and your wounds as well. Okay, when we went through this, uh, I don't even remember what my win was at the time. Oh, I do. I can't share it yet because it's top secret right now, but you guys are going to love it. Um, But something we're working on behind the scenes. But the wound was I was not problem solving or helping problem solve for the martial arts school at, at the time 
like probably for that last month or two, like I was for the rest of my businesses. Because I sort of let Travis go there and, and lead the Thursday meetings because he was super excited about it. But in that transition, I wasn't there supporting them as much as I had been in the past. So my wound that I shared was like, hey, I need to support you guys better. Okay, whether it's putting more people in the right places to, to provide that support if it's not me, or I just need to carve out more time to be able to provide that support. And that, that was my share to them. And I went first with Wins and Wounds because I wanted to share probably what I knew that they were all thinking as my wound and, and own up to it so that they would feel more vulnerable sharing what they needed to fix. Okay, And it was one of the best experiences as a collective because everyone felt like they could trust each other at the end. Everyone felt like they were being transparent with each other, truthful and honest. And, and I, I think that's perfect. The other one that I think is a really cool drill, and if you're, if you're running a, a meeting and you wanna start with this, I would start with wins and moons or start with this question next time, it's pretty deep. Okay, so we, we went around and we said, hey, if you could give everyone in this meeting one gift but it's intangible. So one intangible gift, okay, what would you give each person? So you have them write down a list of all the other names in the room. So everyone write, has everybody else's name on a piece of paper. And then next to it, they're gonna write down what's an intangible gift. And it could be like a skill, it could be a mindset, it could be a feeling, okay? But something intangible you're gonna give them that's gonna make them a better person, better human, better at their job, feel better, whatever it is, but it's a gift. Now, here's the cool thing. We are pre-framing this whole thing as we're gift giving. We're not criticizing, right? So I'm giving you a gift because I want to see the best version of yourself. I want you to, to grow into that beautiful butterfly and not be an ugly caterpillar. So we're giving gifts. So we went around and we said, Dream, I would give you this gift. April, I'd give you this gift. Gabe, I'd give you this gift. And we went around and everyone gave those gifts. And the cool thing was there was emotional responses happening immediately. There's people crying because they, it was like deep down they knew that they needed to work on that. They knew that they needed to get better at that, but there is no one in their life honest enough to tell them that. So as soon as they started to hear it from other people, they started getting validation of, I do need to work on this. I do need to get better on this. And then the, the improvement and the results that we saw in the weeks after doing that for the first time, phenomenal. Just the amount of personal growth we saw in, in the team there. So for you guys, I encourage you to do the same question with your team. Hey, if you could give everyone in this meeting one intangible gift that's going to make them a better person, make their life easier, or make them feel better, what would you gift them? It could be a skill, it could be a feeling, it could be a mentality, it could be a state of mind, okay? It could be experience, like what would you give them? Okay, and then go around and share and and just pre-frame your team and be like, hey, this is this is gonna be a like sort of an emotional drill that we're gonna do. It's okay if you feel vulnerable. It's okay if you you wanna cry, it's cool. Okay? But just know that we are gift giving because we all want to see each other better. We all want to see each other get to the next level because I know if you go to the next level, it's going to motivate me to go to the next level. And if you go to the next level, it's going to motivate her to go to the next level. Uh, and just have that, that kind of conversation. And these are just those two things alone. They're not getting any interaction like that with any previous boss they've had. They're not getting any interaction like that with anywhere they've ever worked. And I guarantee you, anywhere else they work in the future, they're probably not getting that same level of interaction. You're making a difference in their life, not just work life, like personal life. All right, next. Oh, consistent training. Hold on. We got more still.
I'm not leaving yet. All right, so Monday we have the, the Get Shit Done meeting. Thursday we have the mentoring meeting, okay? And then Saturdays, uh, once, a week, once a week we have our instructor training, okay? And that's just an hour of role-playing drills, curriculum review, communication drills, all of that, okay? So that's three meetings we have a week, or three trainings we have a week. And then we do one monthly two to three hour boot camp. The time is determined by how classes are looking. Okay, so if, if classes, if I feel like class quality is dropping, we're doing a three hour training instead of two hour training. Okay, if class quality is looking good, okay, interaction is good, attrition is good, it's two hours. So part of the reward for having 4% attrition is we only do two hour boot camps. Okay, but if attrition jumps up, we're gonna do a three hour boot camp. Okay, because we gotta fix some things, we gotta make some things better and improve. All right, number nine, hire right the first time. Okay, I used to be the shittiest person at hiring people because I would hire the same type of person for every role. And here's what I mean. When I didn't know what systems or, or questions to ask or what to follow or really how to hire people, I always hired people that I just wanted to hang out with. It doesn't mean that they were good employees. It doesn't mean that they were good culture fits. It doesn't mean they even had the right skills. Okay, but I was like, if I felt like I could hang out, out with them, I would convince myself to hire them that I could just train them up on whatever we need to later or fix whatever we need to do later. That's a terrible way to hire people. Like the worst, don't do that, okay? So here, here's what I recommend, right? And I just had a conversation with uh, Zach Horn, one of our clients uh, about this last night. Um, Hire for your weakness first, okay? So if, if you don't have a team right now and you're like, man, where do I start? If your skills and qualities are teaching martial arts and that's like your rock star superpower, don't hire an instructor first, hire an admin first, okay? Hire someone that's gonna be detail-focused, that's gonna help you stay organized, that's gonna answer the phone, follow up with leads, sell memberships. Hire that person first so you can keep doing your superpower, right? Where a lot of people make a mistake is they hire a clone of themselves, Okay, but then you have two people good at the same thing and all that other stuff, all your weaknesses are just like losing you money constantly or losing you students constantly. So you, you have to hire your opposite first, okay? I think part of the reason Travis and I are so great business partners is I'm like systems like all the way and uh, that's my focus. He hates systems or systems and marketing is my thing. Um, he hates systems. He doesn't like doing marketing himself. He'd rather outsource it. But he is so good at like the people side of things and having the hard conversations and, and that side of things. It's the exact same reason why I work so well with Kelly. Kelly is so great with people, details, organization. Like if there's a people problem, 90% of the time she doesn't have to bring it to me. She just handles it. Like that's what she's so good at. I'm not the greatest people person. I'm so introverted that like I overthink every conversation that I have to have with a person. Doesn't mean I don't have hard conversations with people. It just means it's it's more energy for me to do it. It's not my superpower. Okay, my superpower is more in process creation, vision, strategy, marketing, systems. Like that's that's where my lane is and I know that. So Kelly was a no-brain hire for me because I was actually like she does everything that I hate doing at the highest level possible, there couldn't be a better hire. So for you guys just starting off, hire your weakness first, okay? Now, the, the next part of hiring right is value fit first, skill fit second is how we should hire, okay? If they don't align with your core values, like, it doesn't matter how good they are skill-based. And here's why. Let's say I hire a rock star instructor, like the best martial arts instructor on the planet, 
in the sense of being able to teach, communicate, bring energy to the floor. Kicks ass at that. But they have a huge ego. They fight everything I say. They don't want to listen to me. They only, they're, uh, nine to five, like nine to five, they clock in, clock out. That's it. I'm not doing anything extra ever. Not my job. It's not during my hours. Okay. If you have someone that's a high performer, skill based, low culture fit, here's what happens. Everyone else on the team starts looking at this person and like, man, they are so good. I want to be like them because they see the skill side of things. So then what happens is they start to mimic the personality traits as well because they think that that's associated with the skill. It might be, I don't know. But now what happens is you have a a lot of other people on your team that were good culture fits that all of a sudden are mimicking the person with the best skill ability and then all of a sudden they fall out of the culture and start going against the core values because they're looking up to this person that's great at skill, great at teaching classes, great at martial arts, horrible personality, can give two shits about the values, doesn't really care about anything except getting paid and going out on the weekends, your culture is going to deteriorate super fast, okay? And that's what I used to do. I'd be like, oh, they're awesome. Like, we'll, we'll make them fit somehow. Terrible idea. So instead, your interview questions need to revolve around your core values, at least five of them. Okay, so that way you can make sure that they're a good culture fit for what you're doing. If they're a good culture fit, most likely the skill can be taught and taught at a pretty rapid rate because they're going to have that we over me mentality. They're going to be completely bought into the culture. They're going to want to not let you down or let their team down. Okay, they're going to want to make sure that they're in line with the, the vision and helping do everything they can to push the company forward. It makes it so much easier to teach them the skill if they're in line with the, the the core values. And for us, a lot of times we just look for an immediate fix. I just need I need a body. I need someone right now. That creates more problems than you could ever imagine. Be patient with your hiring. Find the right person. Don't force it. Okay. A lot of you guys are trying to force the the square block in a in a round hole. Like you're just trying to get it in there because you feel like it's an emergency. And you need to hire them right now. No, you need to wait because what, here's what's going to happen when you do it that way that I just said. You're going to hire the wrong person because you need a Band-Aid solution. That Band-Aid solution creates more problems. You're going to have to end up firing that person after you just spent a bunch of time training them. And now not only do you have to hire and train a new person all over again, but you also have to go back and fix all the new problems that were created by having the wrong person in that seat in the bus. And you're just like digging yourself further, further down into a hole. Okay, instead, hire culture first, skill second. Make sure that they're a good person. Make sure they align with the values of the company. Okay, for us, uh, one of the things that helps with this is in our job postings, we put our vivid vision. And you've heard, there's a whole podcast episode I, I do on this, so go watch it. Um, but your vivid vision explains your core values. It explains a ton about the culture and where the company is going. So it makes it really easy for hires to look at that and say one of two things. Oh, I love these values. I love what this company stands for. I want to be a part of this. Or they look at it and say, I I don't agree with these values. I'm not aligned with it. I'm not going to apply for it. So it already starts to filter out people you don't want and filter in the people that do align with the values. And then the second step of filter is making sure that the interview questions revolve around the core values as well. The third part is going to be they have a 60-day or 90-day probation when they start working before they get benefits, okay? And during that 60 or 90 days, you're making sure that they just weren't good at interview questions and that they do have a good 
a good system of core values. The other thing I would add into your hiring process is making sure you social media stalk them before you offer a job ever. We've had people been really good at interviews and then we look at their social channels and it's an instant glaring red flag that they were just good at answering questions that none of their values align with the values of the company. Okay, and we've seen this multiple times. I've seen, we, we had people coming for an interview that looked awesome in the interview. They, they looked professional, sounded great, answered the questions. And then like you go to their like Instagram page and they're like doing drugs with friends at a party. And you're like, whoa, that's, that's not what we, we were, we didn't get that vibe when we talked to them. You won't believe the crazy shit you find out just by doing a little research on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for that potential hire. Uh, and it's it's really easy to find with some simple Google searching, okay? So social media stalk them all the time before you offer a job so that you can see, hey, are there any red flags that come up that don't align with the way this person answered the questions in the interview, okay? So just put those things in place. It's gonna help making the hiring better. Um, the last sort of thing I'll give on this is a lot of business owners are hiring without actually having roles and responsibilities listed for the job or position they're hiring for. That's going to go horrible. You need to have a written list of like, hey, this is the th these are the responsibilities that we expect you to, to take up in this role. So that way they can look at it and be like, well, I don't want to clean bathrooms. So get that out of the way now. If you hire them with no list of responsibility and then they have to fire, find out they have to clean bathrooms, they're either gonna just going to hate their job or they're going to end up quitting anyway. So have that list of roles and responsibilities. So that way also there's no surprises down the road. They can never say like, oh, I didn't know that was part of my job. No, you did. It's in your it's in your list of roles and responsibilities. Okay. I've even had it where when we did a performance review with, with one, one of our team members, I printed off the roles and responsibilities. And I brought it to the meeting because there was like seven of those things that they were dropping the ball on consistently that we talked to them about. And I pretty much just slid over in front of them. I go, hey... This is what we went over when we hired you. Okay, you, this was the same list of responsibilities that was in your offer letter. If we look at this list, there's 15 responsibilities and you're only doing eight of them and you've been here a year. Like, we gotta fix this. We gotta work on some shit right now. Okay, it makes it really, really easy to hold accountability when you have that list as well down the line. Okay. Number 10, pay them well and reward them for results. Okay, if you, let's start with paying them well. Oh boy. All right, our industry is, is so cheap, like when we hire people, like we feel like because we had to teach for free for our instructor, that everyone should just teach for us for free. If you have team members that are teaching at your school and not getting paid, number one, you need to check with an attorney and make sure that that's legal in your state, first of all, because unless they're coming on an internship or something like that, or maybe they're, they're like a, a veteran and the army's paying their salary as part of the, that program, you, a lot of states is illegal to have people working in there for free. I'm just gonna say that. So number one, check the legality of it. it I don't give a shit what your instructor did with you, okay? Because most likely they weren't paying attention to any type of employment laws whatsoever, okay? If you want to make sure that your business is secure and your family's future is secure, you need to follow the law in your, in your business. So stop having people teach for free. Okay. Secondly, you can't hold them accountable if they're teaching for free. What are you going to do? Fire them? 
and then they're still not getting paid? Like, what's the alternative? If they, they start making mistakes or they start doing things that are against your culture, how are you going to hold them accountable if you're not paying them? Craziness. Okay. I'm going to keep going with this. You need to pay them an amount that makes them excited not only to work for you, but to keep working for you. I always sort of have this rule of thumb where I, I want to pay my people enough where they feel like they can go brag to their friends that they're making X number of dollars doing what they love for a living. I think that's awesome. Okay. And then uh, to sort of go with this, one of the things that we like to ask too at our quarterly performance evaluations is, hey, how do you feel with your hours right now? How do you feel about your pay right now? And just get feedback on that. Because now you're going to find out, like, let's say they're at $18 an hour and they want to be at $20 or $25, whatever. They're going to tell you that. And you're like, awesome. I might not be able to do that immediately, but now that I know where you want to be, I think that we can come up with a plan to get you there in the next however many days, months, whatever. Okay, and now you know that that's something that's important to them and you can work on coming up with a plan to get them there. Okay, maybe it's they have to perform better in a certain area of the job before they're ready for that. Okay, or maybe you want to see them take on another responsibility to, to earn that pay raise. Whatever it is, at least you know that that's on their radar now and on their mind. So many of us are afraid to talk about pay because you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to pay out any more money. I don't want to give away more money. Well, you're going to be giving away a lot of money when your students start canceling because you don't have a big enough team to support your students. Right? So have those have those conversations now okay and then come up with a plan when, when that comes up in, in in those conversations about how we can get you there all right and maybe it's like hey we need to elevate your skill to do this first we have a 90-day process to train to, to help get you there and then we can reevaluate after those 90 days but come up with a plan for them to get them there as long as it's like a, a realistic thing but pay them well your team members deserve to be able to earn a living not just a paycheck like they should be able to provide for themselves. They look at what the rent is in your area. Look at what houses are going for in your area when you're when you're looking at your pay. Like I've, God, I've heard horror stories for so many instructors about like them having to live in their car, um, them having to get like seven roommates because they couldn't afford rent in their area because they're getting paid whatever. I just had a guy reach out to me that's looking for a job. And he works for a martial arts franchise. I won't say which franchise, but he works for a martial arts franchise. And he said, hey, he's like, I just need your advice. Is this normal for our industry? And he goes, I'm working, I think he said 25 hours a week. I might be off on that. He goes, I'm working 25 hours a week. Well, I'm scheduled for 25 hours a week. He goes, I'm working 30 or 40. And he goes, I'm getting paid $1,200 a month. And I was like, I hope that's not normal for our industry. Is that normal for our industry? Twelve hundred dollars a month, and he's working. Let's let's do the math on this, f just for fun, for shits and giggles. Let's say it's twenty five hours a week. Let's just say it's only twenty five times that four by four point three, which is the average number of weeks in a month. So it's one hundred seven hours a month. One hundred seven point five, right? We take twelve hundred dollars, divide it by one hundred seven point five. He's making eleven dollars an hour. Eleven dollars an hour and this the here's the best part this school owner wouldn't put him on payroll only wanted to pay him as a contractor because he knew he could pay him less than minimum wage if it was just a contracted amount for a set work here's why that's illegal in this person's state in order to be listed as a contractor and this is for a lot of states you also have to be showing that you're doing that work 
that same work for other people. So for example, like a contracted graphic designer, okay, usually they, they have a bunch of different clients they're constantly working with, okay? And they're allowed to be a contractor that way because they're not just doing it for one company. For most states, if you are hiring someone as a contractor, you will need to prove at some point that they're also doing con that same contracted work for other people. Otherwise, it can become illegal very fast. So there's multiple things wrong with this whole pay scenario of what this, what this guy brought to me. So I broke it down. I, I said, let's say you work 25 hours. You're making $11 an hour. You could go work at McDonald's and almost make double that. And it's McDonald's, but at least you're getting paid more. And this, this, this guy was retired, so he didn't need to completely rely on this money, but he was definitely getting taken advantage of at the school. Like, and, and this goes back to why I think poaching martial arts instructors, post, poaching admins, poaching any team member from another martial arts school is 100% ethically okay to do because you have assholes like this guy paying someone $11 an hour, $1,200 a month as a grown fucking man to teach at a martial arts school. Someone please poach that dude. Please. He doesn't deserve to be working $11 an hour teaching martial arts because we know how hard that is. This is a rampant problem in our industry. And I'll be the first one to say, if you're a martial arts instructor in this industry, you feel underpaid, you feel undervalued, you're, the school owner, the CEO is pulling some bullshit like what I just talked about, please shoot me a message. I'm not gonna like out the school owner. I will do my best to find you a job teaching and still doing what you love, whether it's for me or whether it's for a great leader and CEO of a different school that I know you will enjoy working for. I hope I get a thousand messages this week. I fucking hope I get a thousand messages because I know this is a rampant problem in our area. And again, if you are an instructor that feels like you're just getting taken advantage of constantly, shoot me a message. I will find a job for you. We'll, we'll figure some shit out. We will connect you with whoever we need to connect with you to get you the right of opportunity. But remember, we, we're connected with probably like a couple thousand martial arts schools at this point there's someone out there that is looking for you that wants to pay you what you deserve and if you're a school owner and you're listening to this and you're getting pissed off right now here, here's here's a good saying i heard right if you see a pack of dogs and you throw a rock in the pack of dogs the one that yelps is the one that you hit so if you're a school owner and you're getting pissed off about what i'm saying right now you're the dog that's yelping you're the one that's probably underpaying your team and that's why you're getting pissed off like do what's right man or a woman, whatever it is. All right. That's all we got, guys. I hope uh, that helped. I hope I pissed off the school owners that are being unethical with that last number 10 statement of paying your people well. Uh, and then when, when you see them really contributing to the growth of your school, throw them some extra money. Okay, reward them with it. Okay, bonuses. Uh, I'll touch on this real quick just before we sign off. Do you have an end-of-year bonus for your team? Like... We last year paid off a 5% bonus to every single person on their team. So what does that mean? 5% of their annual salary is what we paid out to each person. They don't get that anywhere else. You need even in corporate positions. Like I got, uh, so I work for a large corporation, a uh, franchise, and I remember my salary. I'm going to do the math because I don't want to be wrong on the numbers here. I'm going to do my salary and then I'm going to calculate the bonus. Uh, Okay, 
So I got a 3% bonus uh, when I was with this company, an end-of-year bonus. And I was probably wearing 14 people's hats when I got that bonus. And I was still super grateful for a 3% bonus of my annual salary. Okay, would It would have been awesome if it was more. Yeah, absolutely. But I was grateful for that because I didn't expect it. Okay, That's what made me grateful for it. So even if you've never promised any of your bonuses, surprise and delight your team. Okay, They will love you for it. They will be so loyal. You're going to make their holidays better. You're going to make their end of year better. Okay, Find a way to, to give out that bonus. Now, maybe your payroll is tight. You don't have a... a a ton of revenue coming in and you can't do 5%. That's okay. But surprise them with something. Give them something, not the jelly of the month club, but give them something at the end of the year that is valuable. Don't give them fucking t-shirts with your school logo on it. They don't want that. That's not helping them in life. Give them cash. Give them a gift card somewhere. Give them something that they're actually going to love to use and are actually going to make a better end of the year out of it. But cash is king. So do cash if you can. Hopefully you guys got some good tips and strategies from today. Uh, I also just want to say this, guys. If you ever have a question on anything I talk about on this podcast, please shoot me a DM, okay, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, wherever you follow this. I still check all of my own social media channels. It's like the one thing I won't delegate because I love having interaction with fitness studio owners, martial arts school owners, CEOs, whoever. So if there's something that you want more elaboration on, if there's something that like you heard and you have questions on it or how it would apply to your school, like just shoot me a message, okay? I will get back to you. It might not always be immediate, but I will get back to you with an answer or something that hopefully can help uh, give you more clarity in whatever you're asking. Please continue to subscribe. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, can I ask you a huge favor? Can you just share this on social? Share this with your friends. Uh, We want to push this industry forward, but we need your help to do it. And the more people that can hear the right way of business should be run in this industry, like the quicker we're going to push this industry into the future. Thank you guys and see you next time. We're unstoppable to the top. We're about to go. That CEO, I need to know the impact. We about to grow. Competition comical. Straight A1, we on the road. Money focused for the goal. Tell them what they need to know.